0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that has slightly fallen in love with an actress off a telly, and that's fine, that's perfectly normal. What isn't normal is to then say to your wife, I really, really fancy that actress off a telly, because now, every time the programme's on, all I hear is, oh, you're watching your girlfriend again, are you? Or she can't act for toffee, look at her, she's like a wooden marionette. It's a rookie mistake that I will learn from. The actress in question is French, and that's entirely fitting because today is an international special. Though we'll still have a bit of City content, of course, discussing Phil Foden's importance to the England setup and Nathan Ake's injury this week. To assess all this and more, I'm delighted to be joined by two lads who are fantastique, estupendo, and intelligente. It's Adam and Lloyd. Hi, Adam. I well struggled with that, though. Are you well?
1: The, uh, yeah, are you all right? That was... Uh, not- yeah, that, you even right? by <laughs> your standards, that, that was quite incredible. <laughs> but I think, to be honest, I think the international break does it to us all. So, uh, yeah, you that's are what put it
0: down to. It's international yeah. breakdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm having a, a very public breakdown, everyone. I apologise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you well. Yeah, I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. <laughs> I even <laughs> thought, no, I won't just go all Spanish words or French. So I, I got, like, a mixture of French and Spanish and Italian. Your French was piss Unreal. poor. Oh, I yeah, yeah, God, that. yeah. My English is piss yeah. poor.
1: At least you didn't do accents. Did that <laughs> yes. road on that road. Yeah.
0: I just, yeah, I just swayed towards it with fantastique, and no, no, I pulled, yeah. I reined it in. <laughs> yeah. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Let's begin with last night, I guess, and the kind of um, the friendlies and, and the Scotland game. But let's concentrate on the friendly aspect more than anything because this has just bamboozled me. I don't get it. I don't know why we're playing these three games in 10 days amidst uh, a really hectic schedule where we're basically just kind of flogging players to, to, to death. So, Adam, are you similarly perplexed or is there any rhyme or reason to it?
1: The The reason is they need to use Wembley. That is the only reason they need to get the use out of Wembley. But that is about as far as you draw the line with England anyway. Mm. Um, it's very silly. The only positive for me was Sterling was left out. Um, a few others didn't play, but you, you see these games and you say that, yeah, there's a, a mad schedule this year. There's also a, a global pandemic going on in the background that seems to get forgotten within football. It's, It's in bad taste, I think, to be playing friendlies anyway. Um, Like, they keep changing the Iceland game where it's going to be played because of travel risks, but they're going to play it anyway, even though there's no fans to go, so it's pointless. Mm. But it's all a bit stupid. The meaningless, let's be honest, the the football's crap anyway because the players are putting in half-assed performances. Um, Yeah, it's all a bit rubbish. And then you see Gomez's injury uh, in training, nonetheless, where this is the one time where you want your players to be having a two-week break because... That last half an hour against Liverpool both teams looked just dead yeah, yeah. It, it was so flat so it's pointless I, I don't get it and all it's doing is just allowing international managers to throw caps out to, to random players uh, That that is all it is uh, I didn't even know that there was three games so you've surprised me there I thought it was two so that says a lot
0: yeah it was Iceland and there's uh, Belgium and of course last night's friendly Imagine. and it's a friendly what does my head in I mean Lloyd I guess you can make an argument I'd go against this argument, but it could be made nonetheless for the Nations League continuing. I, I, I regard it as a pointless tournament anyway in normal times. But friendlies as well? I mean, is there any argument to be made for them? Um, no. <laughs> no.
2: I think you just draw the line. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's football eating itself in yes, a way. Yeah. Um, and I think they should have just scrapped the Nations League anyway. I mean, I know that it's a bit of a kind of flagship competition um, but they should have just gone look it's not this year of all years we just don't need it um, I'm f- I mean friendlies obviously this shouldn't even be going on like Adam said it's a, it's a money thing but it's a, I think it's quite a specific Wembley thing it's not really a TV money thing uh, as much and I don't think you know if the fans yeah if the fans were there obviously you'd have the, the gate at Wembley um, but it is, it is perplexing um, and I just think it's it's made all the more sad by, again, what Adam referenced. Like seeing the Gomez injury, it's just it's just so shit. And I know that footballers are you know super well paid, and you know people will say, oh, you know, pay me millions, I'd go and do it. I get all that, but equally, you know, they're just normal blokes too. And I think that what's being asked of their bodies as athletes is just ridiculous at the moment. And I, I think they need to do something about it. Personally, it's,
1: it's going to ruin careers as well. Yeah, like, like Lloyd says, it's uh, footballers. Yeah, they're well paid and they have wonderful lives for for themselves because of them being super good at a sport. But that's not the point. They're putting themselves through more football than people than players have since like the seventies. That's where we're at at the minute, where where games were back to back at weekends and players' careers were ended. Players' careers back in the seventies and and before that were short because of the amount that they put themselves through, and we've seen. Van Dijk will do very well to come back and be the same player that that he was. Gomez is still young, but he's had a really bad time with injuries, and this isn't the right time for him to be getting one. Um, it's it's worrying, and it's only going to carry on because even without the international games, this there's, there's too much back to back football anyway. So throwing in friendlies is just a bit a bit silly. And I, I read something yesterday about how Ferguson used to just downright say, "I'm not." sending my players they're not going Yeah, and I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of that especially in this international break I think um, Sterling was probably left out because he'll only play in the competitive game which is good for us but you see Ake and um, players like that who they're just dropping like flies and it doesn't really matter who they play for Gomez plays for Liverpool and um, it's a positive for City if they get injuries on paper but you don't want to see careers potentially being shortened because of just greed for fixtures, so
0: yeah, absolutely, and I, just, I definitely think there's been some kind of sea change in recent years where Premier League managers just don't have that influence anymore. As you mentioned there with Ferguson, because Mourinho um, said earlier this week how he would love you know for some of his players to be rested. Um, and he was passionate about it. He wanted it, you know. He needed it, but he, he knew it's futile. They, they have little say anymore. I mean, obviously in friendlies they could say, right, yeah, I'll make him available, but only for forty-five minutes. But that's Stefan, Stefan actually made
2: a quite a good point about this. I think the Wembley thing is is kind of relevant. But what you know, in terms of a rebate, I, I imagine from TV, what they would have got for you know these games is, is so minimal that what would have made sense if they could have cancelled the. Nations League is just all twenty of the Prem teams just give the FA hundred grand and just say, Let's just have two weeks off. Yeah. Like here's the here's the money that you'd have got from, you know, from from the T V or from if the fixtures would have been going on and let's just agree to like have a two week break. But um I think the problem is that all state all the stakeholders are around the table, no one's willing to budge, there's too much self interest and there just hasn't been enough collaboration on the schedule, which is just it's
0: just I just don't think it's good enough. Yeah, and it's the players who suffer. And and, and as you've both said, you know, it doesn't matter how well-paid these players are. It doesn't matter about their lifestyle. Completely irrelevant. They're human beings. They're muscle and bone and blood. And and you can only push them so far. And we are seeing them absolutely at their limit. And we're already hearing stories emerging from certain players at certain clubs that, you know, all of the players, the Premier League players right now, are on the point of revolt. You know, they've had enough. Mm. And They're being used, and, and we've had quotes this week from Tony uh, Cruz saying similar. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break at some point, and it, in my opinion, it's reaching breaking point. And the scariest part about it, lads, for me, is we're only just beginning. I mean, you look yeah. at the schedules further down the line, there is no respite for the next, what, two years?
1: <laughs> and and do you know what uh, the sad part of it is, and... Pep kind of referred to this when he was talking about the NBA and how well they, they packed their schedule. Um, I I think you'll you'll soon see some of the best players to watch fall out of love with it. Um, mm. I I honestly believe De Bruyne doesn't look like he's got the same, I want to say enthusiasm. It, it's not that he's stopped trying by any stretch, but players have stopped almost playing out of enjoyment. But it's more, we've got to get through this game and stay fit. You saw some bits in that Liverpool game, and there was a couple of other games at weekend, where there's 50-50 tackles, and both players aren't stretching for the ball. And that's really unusual.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's an artistic endeavour, isn't it? You know, it's particularly when you're talking about a player like De Bruyne. um, You know, so much of his game is built around creativity. And, you know, you can't be creative 24-7. It's not humanly possible. Um, okay well let's move on to England and before we look at kind of Southgate England as a whole um, and particularly these last 18 months um, I just want to touch on last night's performance pretty straightforward by all accounts 3-0 win um, I dropped in and out because I was watching the Scotland game um, but Lloyd is it too simplistic to say that their two best performances in recent times have been when he's played the undercard and the kind of you know the peripheral players and um, should Southgate have a little revision of kind of you know who his established first team is in that regard?
2: Um, I think the f- the first point is right that the best England performances recently have generally been when the starting eleven
0: hasn't played. Yeah, some of the kids have played a well, bit more. Wales wasn't there, of the course, last night. So both three 0 wins.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there, I think there is an element of that. And I think to be honest, some of the frustration that is I think is growing with Southgate is in relation to the fact that clearly he has his favourites and obviously I think his comments about Mason Mount were really weird um in midweek about the memes and stuff. Like that is a bizarre thing for a football manager to say. Um but it's clear I think the you know the Grealish point is a good point that, you know, I think it's now become one of those things that you know fans i've 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 kind of seen on twitter have not really you know people have always said i'm not sure i rate him but i think it's almost everyone's kind of come to that realization now that he is a top level footballer and he's almost affecting games kind of in a de Bruyne sense now where every time every time he's on the ball you actually think something's going to happen so i think the, the beating of the drum for him has been has been deserved and i think obviously he's made a massive impression when he's played in the last couple of games um but I do think I do think England, you know, kind of accidentally are building a really kind of strong young squad. I, I think <laughs> in, a, in a couple of years, um, you know, when the likes of, um, you know, you've got Raz and Kane as kind of senior players and, you know, your Sancho's and Phil's and um, all those kind of guys mature, England should have, you know, one of, if not, a kind of a top three crop of of, of players to go from. So... Um, I think that there's a lot of hope but I think some of that hope is is flittering because I think Southgate has proven for me anyway in the last 12 months to show quite a few weaknesses despite speaking very well on pressing subjects in press conferences I think for sometimes his management leaves
0: a lot to be desired Adam I mean if it's a given that England have a really exciting crop of kids coming through and, you know, as Lloyd said there, we've got obviously Raz and, and Kane and some established players, Maguire even, when he's on form, then do you want England to proceed over the next kind of five years and come to fruition under Southgate or would you much rather it be in the hands of, well, should we say more capable hands?
1: Um,
0: That's a leading question.
1: I think Southgate... <laughs> oh. You're right.
0: Yeah, I was saying that's, that's a very um, leading question. I just gave
1: you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't think Southgate is a top tier manager by any stretch. I think what what he is almost is, uh, and I can't really think of the best way to word this. He's just kind of a safe option. Mm. He's safe. Uh, he like Lloyd says, he's very good on certain matters with the press. He's a bit statesman like in that regard. Uh, but some of his management is is a bit weird. Um, even I'd, I'd even go as far as to say some of the the caps that he's just throwing about are a bit weird. Um, but I can kind of see the the point of the minute with the squad rotation. I don't think he's a tournament winner. I don't know if he has that now about him where we we even saw in that Croatia game he couldn't see it out. Yeah. Um, the subs were a bit odd. And t- to be honest, uh, the best performance I think I've seen from England in the last 10 years was that Spain game a couple of years ago where Sterling scored a couple and yeah. it was Rashford, Kane and Sterling. And we looked absolutely electric. And if you add some of the, the younger players that we're talking about there, Foden, Rashford, I'd even have Rashford as he's still young. Sancho. Um, who else have we got? Saka. Yeah, uh, this, There's probably on, loads yeah. more that, that I've, I've missed, but, then you have Grealish, who is a shoo now to get in the squad. There's actually some good competition, but the worry is with Southgate is he's very conservative uh, in in the way that he approaches games. We saw the games in the last international break, and he's playing three holding midfielders. And you think you can't you can't go into a competition, into a tournament football where you've got defensive sides. We're going to play Scotland in the Euros. They're going to defend and try and catch us. And if we play Rice, Henderson, and name another. A very dull midfielder. Yeah, Winks. We're not going to get anywhere because we're not going to. We've seen it with City. If you play too many holding players, you're not going to be able to unlock their defense. So he's got to get the balance right. Uh, And some of these young players are good enough to start. Foden, Sancho, um, Saka's probably knocking on the door on the left. There's a lot to be excited about, but I also think there's almost so many options that it's going to be quite hard to work out what the team is.
0: That's that's the nub of issue for me. I mean he plays three at the back, four at the back, five at the back, then he goes back to three again. Um, so he doesn't know what what his best system is and the best players to kind of employ in that system. Um, you know, he does have his favourites of course, but the players apparently are frustrated with this kind of tinkering, endless tinkering. Um and particularly in an international setup where you go back to your club for kind of three months and then come back and have to just restart, just reset immediately in, in England mode. You need an established system, I think, that you know that you can just click back into. And they don't have that at the moment. And um, and it's also, for me, a big issue I have with Southgate is, is inconsistency regarding the discipline of players and how he speaks of players. So, you know, the pertinent example, of course, is Grealish and Mount. Mount is clearly his favourite. There's even that, that video we've seen where someone's trying to get him to praise Grealish and he basically switches to praise Mount. And... Um, uh, I his discipline as well of players and how he kind of treated, um, you know Raheem Sterling after kind of you know the Gomez set to uh, compared to how he's treated Harry Maguire and how he defended Harry Maguire and um, then there was Foden and Greenwood compared to how he he kind of treated the three lads um, I can't remember who it was now Abraham wasn't it and Chillwell yes Sancho that's mm. it and because they were so pivotal to what he wanted that that international break they got excused so. Yeah, you can't do that. If you do that, that does not go unnoticed by any squad of players and you lose a lot of respect, I think, for that. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of I, briefly, I guys. Oh, sorry. yeah, go on.
1: I, I was going to say just final thing on that. One thing, and I, I don't really like him doing it, this throwing Caps out, um, and I, I think he has been doing that at, at times over the, the past few months especially, uh, I think he may have accidentally found himself... Uh, Connor Cody as someone who will start at the Euros I think almost by accident he's found that maybe this is what we need Um, because that back three or back four however he plays it has been messed around a lot and yeah he he looks like a a proper international centre-half
0: absolutely Um, just briefly um, to the two of you I'm going to start with you Adam can you see Southgate being in charge post Euros
1: no. Uh well, it uh, depends how we do in the Euros, yeah. but no I don't think so. I think uh in, he's he's been in charge for a long time, for an international manager already. Um he's got to he's got to get to the semis minimum to to even think about keeping his job. So I I don't think he will because the cycle is so almost aggressive.
2: Lloyd. No chance. I think um he actually said it. he himself was unsure about Renewing up until the Euros, I think there were stories about that about a year ago. Um, whether he had the fight to kind of do it himself, so I would very much doubt that um, that he'll be the coach. I think I think England probably, I think they need a clean break post half, um, irrespective of how they do in the Euros. I would say.
0: Okay, well, post Euros, we'd certainly be expecting to see the youngsters kind of really kind of breaking through and establishing themselves in a the new look England team and. First and foremost, one of those players, of course, will be Phil Foden. Um, Lloyd, what is importance to England and to the England setup, particularly when you look at the kind of dearth of creativity and energy within that midfield right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, potentially massive. I mean, Phil basically solves the the, the England problem that we've had for like 10 to 15 years, which is we've had a lot of good players in various positions, but when it comes to big tournament games against Spain, Italy, France, you come up against basically Premier League quality, world-class midfields and can you control the game or do you end up doing what Henderson did against Croatia where you just end up pumping it long to try and get blokes to run onto it? Um, So I think Phil is is obviously a potential solution to that. Although... I do think, you know, removing our City bias, if Phil doesn't play much in midfield across this season, I I can understand why an international manager would be slightly reluctant to play him as as a kind of number eight in those two kind of midfield positions um, if essentially Pep is just playing him wide right or wide left, which on current evidence, to be honest, is what he's doing now. I think we all agree that Phil is definitely going to end up in that position. And I think that is his best position. But I can understand why, say, you know, where we where we are at the moment in November, that, you know, maybe if you're drawing a starting, a t- starting 11 together now, I think you're probably more likely to to put someone um, who plays there every week. I mean, I was about to say Grealish, but then I'm, I realise I'm probably contradicting myself because he plays out wide for Villa. Um but that is definitely the kind of the problem position and I think the hope for me is that he's going to revert back to 4 play a play a proper DM with two kind of floating players like a Foden or Grealish or you know I'm not Mount's biggest fan but someone like that but I think the evidence is
0: that it's going to be three at the back isn't it um, but yeah that would be my take on Phil Just, just quickly kind of tricking my 2 fair about Mount I'm a big fan of Mason Mount and it really annoys me why Everyone, including it seems Southgate, views it as a straight kind of battle between Mount and Grealish. Because to me, they're two very different players. Mount just keeps things really neat and tidy. Grealish is a creator, someone who kind of you know more explosive player. Um, I just can't understand why the two of them can't get into this. I just don't
2: think Mount should be starting for England. He's just not like good enough. I don't Uh, think. I mean, I think he's he's definitely. I think he's good to a good guy to have in a twenty-three, and he's a little bit gives me kind of Gundogan vibes sometimes in that he's like excellent at ball retention and kind of shifting it on and creating yeah. angles and playing that position but I'm not sure for me whether he's at that level that he should be starting
0: necessarily okay um, adam it should england struggle at the euros next year is there going to be a lot of pressure on phil foden to be you know the difference maker in in the in, in you know, the years to come
1: <laughs> well I I don't think at this point, if the Euros was next month, I don't know if Phil Foden gets in the 23. Right. Genuinely, because of, like Lloyd said, he's he's not playing enough. Um, And Southgate has always said, and to be fair to him, he's been quite good at actually putting this in action. He's not going to pick you if you're not playing. Um, And the thing with Foden at the moment is, I can see why he's not starting in midfield at the moment for City. And... It's great that he's getting time timeout uh, wide, right, wide, left, wherever. And he'll play wherever because he loves playing. But at the moment, I don't know where he gets in that England team, especially if they play three at the back, because they're going to play two hold, holding midfielders, Henderson and Rice. Then there's one other place. That place at the minute is probably Grealish's. Um, it could be Mount. Foden's probably third in the pecking order there. And then the wide players... He's going to play Sancho and then someone on on the left who needs to track back. So you've got Saka, uh, Chilwell could probably play there. So he's not even a shoe in for the squad and that's slightly concerning. Um, he's still young enough, but he needs to be in that squad for me, for his career, for for everything really. Because, I mean, we keep saying, oh, he's, he's still dead young. He's still dead young. He's going to be 21, isn't he, at the Euros? Yeah. It's not that young. There's going to be players younger than him in the squad. So... Um, I do hope that he gets the run at the turn of the year. I'm sure he'll play loads over Christmas for City in various positions and hopefully he can keep keep his place because the thing that you can say about Foden is I think I've seen him have one bad half of football. That's it. He he doesn't really have a bad game and he always has some sort of impact on the game. Um, I love his attitude. He's very grown up um, when in football terms anyway. Um, he he never shies away from when he is on the pitch. He'll he'll just go and play. He's a player. He's compared to Mount. I, I kind of agree with what Lloyd's saying there. Is Mount is safe. I I'd say he's a yeah, safe player. Absolutely, I agree with that. Foden Foden's your wild card. Um, he is a wild card because there's no, I'd say there's no other player like him in the England setup. Um, the way that he plays him and Sancho for me very almost unpredictable and dangerous and, and opponents won't like playing them because you don't know where Phil Foden's going to pop up and he's got, and I, I say this every time we talk about him, he's got the Lampard thing about him, which excites me the most where he's always in the right place when the ball drops. So if the ball drops from a set piece, Foden's always on the end of it. If, if the ball rebounds anywhere, it's Foden. So, I hope he goes. And if he does go, he's going to have a chance. There will come a chance where he can really make a name for himself. So hopefully.
0: Okay. Well, let's look at a more general topic, really. Just a fun one. Um, I'd like to know your kind of all time favorite England game. Um, Lloyd?
2: Yeah, probably two for me. Um, I'm slightly too young to remember the, the Germany game in Germany when, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When we scored five, yeah. um, but I actually loved that. I'd mentioned it before that uh, game away in Spain when it was like yeah. Rashford, Kane, Sterling. Like that was like Kane. That was Kane doing what he is now, where he's that kind of like deep creator, playing play like ridiculous balls in behind for Raz and, um Rashford to run onto, and they were like they were just both so clinical that night and I think that was also the kind of coming of Sterling as well in an England shirt which you know had been many years too late and I you know I feel very kind of like emotionally pulled towards Raz um, as a footballer and as a guy so I'm invested in that let's say and I think the other one is is a bait choice but um, was the Greece game when Beckham put it top bins? Yeah, yeah. It was slightly ruined by the fact it was at Old Trafford um, for me when I was a young Bert. But um, <laughs> no, nah, it was it was still <laughs> class.
0: I <laughs> uh, what's your uh, all-time favourite England game.
1: Um, I'll go with two for the same reason: ninety-eight England Argentina. I know that we lost on pens, but. Are, it's kind of one of those really vivid memories of, of the Owen goal. Yeah. I watched it in I watched it in Scotland, at, um, my auntie and uncle's house in Scotland, and obviously they were they were hoping that England didn't do it, and we didn't do it in the end. But um, the Owen goal sticks in the mind as like the England goal. Um, kind of that was a real coming of age of a player, and you saw it. And it's very odd, I think, that you get that. Uh, here's a player who's just become a, a superstar in one minute of football and it's it's one of my favourite goals but then on the flip side of that uh, the 2002 kind of the rematch against Argentina where Beckham scored Beckham, the penalty think, and it was yeah. like, it was a proper redemption story and th- those were the days where I would get properly into the World Cup like you'd watch it at school and um, that Argentina game sticks out because again we watched that one in Scotland so it was like a um, back to the scene of the crime as it were and, yeah pr- a proper a proper hollywood story that i think the yeah. the whole beckham redemption story um and the pochettino uh part of that as well had had something and i remember scott skulls in that 2002 game having just one of those games that is yeah that, that you remembered for really yeah. you know I've, everyone seems to have one of those games and i think that was skulls's finest performance definitely in an england shirt and yeah it was it was good i think was that that argentina 2002 was that in Sapporo.
0: yes it was, i think yeah. i remember it yeah. i've got like
1: proper weird memories of those games but <laughs> yeah the, those two games definitely stand out the whole simeone thing and yeah class
0: well michael was from the same village as me and pretty much my Don't neighbor I? you know he's only in a few streets away um and i knew his brothers so that was a really surreal time the that he woke up and and then, following on from that, in the weeks later, it was our village was basically inundated with journalists and pe- everyone kind of asking you where he lived, and it was all very surreal. Um, I'm going to go Wales, obviously, being Welsh, and I'm going to choose 2016 against Belgium at the Euros. Of oh, enough, yeah. I mean, that was just. I, I did a part about two days later, and I choked up, and I didn't cry, but you know, <laughs> the podcast, I was sober, but oh, my, I properly choked up they were asking me what it meant to me you know and i thought because i was reminded of this last night with scotland gone through so many shit experiences being you know welsh and supporting wales and um so i'll just quickly say the flip side the follow-on question which is the worst experience supporting kind of our international team it's pretty much everything up until 2016 for me (laughs) um 93 Uh, against Romania and 10 minutes to go and Paul Bowden missed a penalty and it would have took us to the World Cup in in the USA and a fan uh, died that night because there was a flare released Oh yeah, and yeah it was a horrible night Uh, but we had night after night after night and and you can go further back to the 70s to 78 against Scotland and them cheating us out of it in a playoff Um, and so it was just near miss after near miss and finally we reached a major tournament and we just go on this mad charge under Chris Coleman. So, hopefully Scotland can do that next year. Because uh, watching their reaction last night just brought it all back. What it means to be, you know, mm. a smaller nation qualifying for a major tournament. Oh, the pride is just it bursts from you. Um. Okay, Lloyd. What's your worst experience with the Three Lions? Oh,
2: two. Um. <laughs> Probably, I hated the Croatia game because oh, yeah. Yeah. I believed, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, like, when Trippier scored, I was like, no, like, is this actually going to, are we going to get them in the final?
1: It was hope, wasn't it? It
2: yeah, was hope. It was probably, yeah, hope more than kind of expectation. Um And then the other one was the David Seaman, like, Ronaldinho thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, that is, like, one of my... First memories of like Is that 2002 Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. It was when Ronald, Ronaldo was like carpeted with his yeah w- with his weird haircut. Did you um, watch
1: that in school, Lloyd? We watched it in the sp- in the sports hall at school. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I watched I watched that in my classroom. Um, yeah, Bloody I remember
0: Mads. being good. <laughs> Making me feel well old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Happens all the time with you. <laughs> yeah, I watched it the OEP. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we all sat around, got our Horlicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I've,
1: I've got a couple... Uh, well, actually, there's, there's loads. Uh, the 4-1 Germany game in 2010, just for pure... That was like oh feeling God, yeah. properly aggrieved. Outclassed. Lampard-Ghost yeah. Lampard goal that just kind of... Then everything fell apart. But I think the two that properly stand out... Actually, one... One isn't even in a competition. When we lost to Croatia with McLaren and didn't even get to the Euros. Was
0: that Wally uh, with a Broly? Um, yeah, the Wally
1: with a the Broly. That was bad. And then I'd, I'd say that the one that sticks out the most is the Iceland game uh, at the Euros 2016. Oh, shit, it was, yeah. It was the most pathetic performance I think I've ever seen from a, a national team. It was truly horrendous. Iceland were terrible. I watched that in a hotel room in Beijing and it didn't make it any more. That ridiculous. is definitely the right answer,
2: actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was it was the most spineless performance in a in a tournament and Hodgson just had no idea what was going on. Joe Hart had a stinker. Rashford had a really good game, weirdly. Um and then it was it was one of those Joe Hart apology Things at the end, which was awful. To so, mm. it was like the demise of him properly happened there. Um, that was yeah, that was a shocker.
0: I well, really I remember um, Hodgson when he had to you know, announce his kind of um, resignation, and he didn't want to do it publicly, and BFA made him do it publicly, and he, and he really resented that. And oh man, I, I, not that I had much respect for the man to begin with, but I lost it all that day. His his whole kind of demeanor was kind of like, you know, like he was deigning to to offer some kind of um, apology for, for the performance. Well, yeah, you're a national team manager. <laughs> of course, you, you have to do it publicly. You can't just slide out and, from a side exit. Um, yeah, there's been quite a few for England. you have to cheer me right up, that has. <laughs> 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 What about, uh, just kind of beyond England and Wales, uh, Lloyd, what's your favourite World Cup memory? Um and also, kind of, what was the first one that you you remember well? Um, I think
2: I kind of remember. This is weird because I was super young, but I, I kind of remember Zidane in ninety. Was it ninety eight? Yeah. Or to, or two thousand. Yeah. Um, mm. I can't remember which one it was. I just remember watching him and just being like, wow. Um, and then I really I really remember that shithouse Italy team as well from <laughs> 2006 they weren't much to write home about that was about. good um, yeah was. but I'm um, just like the Cannavaro thing was just cool like, him aloft like with the World Cup like, that was quite an iconic moment um, and Ronaldo in 2002 as well when he bagged all the goals um, I love watching him play for um, he was such a such a good striker. So those are like my kind of first visceral memories from other other teams. What about you, Adam?
1: Um, ninety eight was the first one that I was properly involved in uh, and properly got into. I remember that really vividly. Two thousand and two was was weird because of the times. I always remember that the, the time that yes. the games yeah. was always rubbish. Um. I really liked the South Africa game with Peter Drury's amazing Shabalala commentary. Uh, that's That sticks in the memory. Uh, the Suarez handball against Ghana, that, that was an amazing moment where you just thought this is the biggest shithouse move I've ever seen. Uh, the the Zidane headbutt, that, that World Cup was great. Um, but I think the, the one thing that sticks out in that 2006 World Cup was the Graham poll three yellow cards <laughs> debacle. Um After, well, because that whole 2006 World Cup was mad anyway, Um with like the the weird refereeing decisions, wasn't it? And like, was that was that the same World Cup, or am I conflating the two? Where South Korea got really far, but they kept getting really weird decisions, or was that
0: that was 2002? Yeah. That like Japan and Korea. 2002, yeah.
1: Uh, I, and then two thousand that was weird <laughs> yeah, yeah, that really Italy was. game where they just kept giving everything offside, yeah. and he kept booking all the Italy players. that was weird, but the two thousand and six with Graham Paul's three yellow cards, and then he never refereed an international game ever again i still I still don't understand that. He gave no. three yellow cards, he gave two, and nobody decided to stop him,
0: yeah. Well the player's don't not that. going to, is he? The player's just going to carry on. He must have been thinking, like, what's going on? Yeah, it would be well weird for the player in question. Yeah, so. so
1: um the, those moments kind of stick out. There's probably loads more. The the Germany 4-1 was a, a massive family barbecue, and we'd all set up to watch it again more in hope than expectation, and then that fell apart. So most of my memories are England falling apart, but the mm. uh, yeah, some some of those mad things like the the Suarez handball just amazing, and then missing the penalty afterwards and him celebrating was just incredible.
0: Yeah, and for me, it's Italian 90 it was the, yeah. the, the big one. It was you know, um, going to mates' houses and watching it, and you know, kind of sitting in your mates' house with your mates. And you know, too young to drink, kind of I don't know how old we were, kind of 15, 14. Um, but then your mates' mum would come in and just join you and watch and had no interest in football, but it just grabbed the whole country. So, and then I remember, um, I think it was a Belgium game, and I remember going outside for, for whatever reason, and you could see all the, you know, the living rooms, <laughs> everyone in their living rooms, and you just thought, Christ, this is the same all across the country right now. Everyone is in their living room watching this game. Um yeah, it was a magical time, until the 19, absolutely. I mean, even as a Welshman, you know, I desperately wanted England to win. Um, so yeah. It's,
1: it's cra- crazy, isn't it? Like we've, we've spent the whole podcast slagging off international football because football has, as Lloyd says, eaten itself. There's too much of it. Mm. But when it comes to tournament football, and like, I must admit, I am very cynical about the England team and, don't really get into it. I haven't for a, a good, like, six, eight years or whatever. The 2018 World Cup just felt different. Mm-hmm. It was the first time, and I hate to bring up the B word, but since the whole Brexit shite, it was the first time, I think, that I can remember the whole country just just got on. Yeah. For those For those two weeks of madness. Like, everyone just being dead nice to each other. Like, there wasn't trouble in the streets after the game. It was like, everyone just just like sharing drinks and stuff and yeah. it felt different and just for those two weeks I, I got back into right I am all in now on on this England team and then obviously it didn't work out but it just felt good uh, I don't know if we'll get that again but it was nice
0: well I mean that exact thing you're referring to there. you know we saw last night didn't we I mean I because we started off I went to the pub last night to watch um Wales so we started off I hate Wales. that you can do that so, yeah, but we, we've come out of... You went to the pub last night? Yeah, we're not locked down, are we in Wales? We oh, had to, my. We had a two, a two so, why have
1: you had to do focus. this? <laughs> For God's <laughs> sake, man.
0: Yeah, but <sighs> I, I, when you're in the pub, you've got no real choice over what, what you're watching. And everyone was flicking it, yeah. over Wales, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and... Um, so there's that at least I, you know, I didn't have a remote control at least you guys did <laughs> but um, yeah so we started off with Wales and then in England and we were talking about you know just it means nothing it's like we couldn't care less about England England scored and you know, even the English amongst us were like yeah great and then we went on to Scotland and then it reminded you of what international football can be and what it can mean and um, so that's what I think you're referring to Adam it's you know going back to the 2018 World Cup at its best, international football is unbelievable. It's just that it's the ones that don't really matter so much where you just can't be arsed with it, can you? I'm, I'm missing City right now. I want Premier League football again. I can't wait for the Tottenham game. Uh, and it feels like an eternity away right now, to be honest.
1: Really? I'm th- I'm not. I'd I'm, I'm dreading I'm the Tottenham game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm dreading having to watch City at the minute um, for, for many reasons. But Yeah. Uh, I just want a break man. I can't I know that the, I know I know that the players get paid yeah. a billion pound a week and whatever. But they must be this. I just want a break from football.
0: I'm with you. Just give
1: yeah. us a give us a month. Put the cricket back on or something like Yeah. Christ, it's it's like imagine being a player at the minute. Like they've got Spurs. I I don't even know the city fixtures and that's bad for me. we um, we got Spurs. I couldn't tell you who else were playing. Uh Somebody tell me, uh, Olympiacos, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Put, we play three games in six days because of course we do um, and I don't care. Like, I just don't care. I don't care about the Olympiacos game. I don't want to watch us play against Burnley. I don't want to watch us play against Fulham. Just Let's just have a break.
0: For God's
1: sake. Well, and then I've just seen that we've
0: got I'm, United as well. Fantastic. Yeah, we've got United in December. I mean I'm with you mate because of course when we did have a break, it was a fake break, basically, wasn't it? It was kind of, you know, forced upon everyone and we didn't want that. And so yeah, you need that summer. You need that summer of cricket and Glastonbury and Wimbledon and and the golf and just kind of you know, just recharge and then of course you've got that excitement of all the kind of transfer window and who you're gonna sign and then you've got the fixtures come out and a new kit. And it just didn't feel, I didn't feel any of that this time. So, yeah. I'm, the I'll, the I'll,
2: usual, I think the, the usual summer break f- with football is really nice. It's like yes. two months. It's frustrating. Like, it's, the sun's like, out, like, like like cricket's on, like like you say, like tennis is on. You just kind of forget about it. You read bits and bobs and like, sit, so you're going to get Valley. Cool oh, no, we fucked it again. Um, and <laughs> that all kind of goes on. And then by the time it then comes around in like August, you're like, yeah. I'm ready for this actually you go to a game at the Etihad it's sunny for like a couple of of days um, and everything feels good but we just haven't had that have we it's
0: it's like and I'm I'm not referring to myself here I'm just talking in general um, but it's like a relationship isn't it you know if you're with someone constantly then you know if you go away for like a weekend have a weekend away with a lad or something it's you come back and you've you know you've missed your partner. It's it's the same thing. It's not just football. It's anything in life. If you get too much of something, you just if things become kind of you know you get used to it and and you need to miss it. You need to miss things.
1: Did, did nobody else feel like pure apathy towards that second half of the Liverpool game? Yeah, I felt really weird. Where I'd usually be quite tense and quite like quite charged about it. I just felt nothing I thought if they score I don't really care and that's that's not a good thing and we talked about this the eight nine months ago at the start of this whole thing about how when football does return and fans can come back whether people are actually going to be as bothered and I I wonder if there's people who have gone further than me and just can't be asked watching it
0: so. Well, I I said on a pod last week, the second half against Liverpool, I, I was just thinking, please don't score Liverpool, because I yeah. can't be arsed with you being on Twitter. You know, like, Liverpool are mm. infamously bad winners yeah. on social media, and then it occurred to me, wow, that's my main priority right now, just, you know, to be able to go on Twitter tonight. And so I guess that ties in with that, it is kind of apathy of a sort, yeah. Uh, Lloyd, how did you feel with Liverpool game, does it feel different football now? I, des- I desperately didn't want to lose because I just have
2: so many mates that are fake Scousers um, yeah. and they're all from London but they're all massive Liverpool fans and my phone was just like and I was just like I cannot be arsed with some like 2-1 Mane bullshit <laughs> or just something like that I was just like please, please, please don't give me that um, although on the positive side there is I was watching that game thinking wow this is so flat and I did think there's no way that that second half would have played out like that if there were fans there but there is something about I am really looking forward to like the next time I can go to the Etihad when everything so, is totally normal again not like you know 3,000 fans are allowed in and you got to sit a metre away from you mate I mean like whenever this is all over like going back on the concourse like having a beer dicking around before the game <laughs> like I am still really looking forward to that and I do think the games the games are obviously missing the fans massively that that second half would not have been like that i i think irrespective of how much the players are struggling if there were fans there kind of willing them on they would have just drawn on something extra um
1: i even think the first half wouldn't have played out the way it did if there was fans there you know that first 20 minutes like i think everyone would have just been on the backs and that's kind of what they need sometimes but there's no there isn't that pressure is there yeah. there isn't the 40,000 fans are, are giving it you that like, you're not you've not got it. So it's, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Lloyd. I I cannot wait now. I'm I've not been this excited for a long time. Um, just to get back, I saw a video and I think I tweeted it where I I can't remember what game it was. I think it was the United game a few years ago when we won three one. And I just I remember the day really really well and thought Christ, I I could do with that. Could do with that, like you say, dicking about going into town, having breakfast, st- stupid, start drinking silly, just be silly and just, just yeah. having that freedom to just, yeah, just go for breakfast and have a pint and that's that's really what I miss and I think the players miss it, I think they've finally worked out, oh Christ, we need them Yeah, we really need them so,
0: Well yeah, hopefully. it's not just football we're missing it, it's actually going to the games as you said and so we need to miss something to realise how much we love it and, and it will be back and it will come back and we will have those days again, it just feels a long way away right now but who knows, maybe it's not well, let's wrap things up, guys, and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's really enjoyed today. Um, thank you very much, Lloyd. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate that, man, and thanks to everyone listening in. Um, before we go, Night 320 has a very big announcement regarding next Friday's show. To help raise some much needed funds for MCFC fans' food bank support, we're going to be attempting a continual 12 hour pod live stream for charity it'll be Manchester looking out for Manchester. Because though times are tougher as all right now, somehow things are markably tougher. We're going to have guests galore and hopefully a lot of fun, so please get involved or simply tune in and hear us nattering away in the background, our throat getting sore by the hour. How's, why's and when's will all be revealed in the days to come via our Twitter feed and during the Wednesday debate show. So please look out for that info. In the meantime, take care and forever up the blues.